The following podcast is a Simpronto Media production. She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And we have Donna Skoglund on the show. And her website is donnaskoglund.com. And she is really passionate about you becoming the healthiest and happiest version of yourself. So, Donna, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I am a yoga teacher and a yoga health coach. So, yoga health coach is What's, what's different from a yoga health coach from a, a normal health coach is that I teach people the daily habits and routines based off of Ayurveda, which is yoga's sister science. So I have a handful, actually eight habits that I coach people into to bring their bodies back into balance, to balance hormones, to optimize the different organs, to eliminate toxins, and to really be you know, the, ha- the healthiest version of yourself. Because uh, Ayurveda is really all about longevity, and it's a preventative, holistic medicine. And isn't Ayurveda? Isn't it kind of like? Wasn't it rooted in Indian culture? Yeah, so that, like kind of where it came from. Yeah, so it's over five thousand years old. It's the the oldest healing science in history, and it comes from the same place that yoga comes from. So it all, it comes from the same ancient text. So that's another reason why it's called the yoga's sister science. And it is, yes, from India and still practiced today. And, and more and more, it's, it's coming to the West and more and more people know about it and are interested in learning about it because I think it's coming in and people are seeing that, you know, modern methods are falling short and this is time tested and is really, it, it just, it's very practical and it makes a lot of sense when people understand the concepts. So let's talk about how Ayurveda and intermittent fasting kind of click together. Okay. So the probably the, the core tenet of Ayurveda is all about optimizing gut health. And it really recognizes that everything begins in the gut. And in Ayurveda, there's a, a word, a concept called Agni, which is all about your digestive fire. And it said like, your Agni is the most important factor to your health. And you want to have a really strong, balanced digestive fire. And this is because when you eat something, you want to fully burn it and you want to burn it and you want to then utilize it for fuel or for building healthy tissue. And when you don't do that effectively, what's left over, it's kind of like, and and the, the result of it not fully burning is something called Ama, which is like this toxic sludge residue that sticks around in your body and goes and finds weak organs and is what basically creates all disease. So the first thing that I teach for people to really balance out that digestive fire is to space meals. Because, you know, in the West, we have this, you know, we've been marketed to over the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years that we want to eat a meal and then have a snack and then eat a meal and then have a snack and then eat a meal and have a snack. And the problem with that is that we are never giving our digestive system a break. And I love in Ayurveda, there's this concept of your digestion is is a, a male organ and your heart is a female organ. And 
your heart is always going. It's kind of like women. We can, we're like always going. We don't stop. We don't rest. We're not good at resting. We're always busying ourselves as opposed to like the male organ of the digestion. Like if you've got, you know, a man in your life, they're really good at just kicking back, feet up, relaxing. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so true. <laughs> and turning off and that our digestion works best when we give it that space between meals. So it's not only, you know, fasting overnight and having that, you know, minimum of 14 hours and, you know, 14 up to 20 or however much you want to fast, but it's also the spacing between the, you know, the meals themselves so that you can fully go through the digestive process. And there's all these different stages of digestion in Ayurveda. And when you don't allow the food to go through all the phases, it gets interrupted. And then when it's interrupted, like mid digestion, then it doesn't, you don't, we don't really fully burn away the food. And then that results in like this toxicity, this sludge that wreaks havoc on the body and messes with our hormones and, and basically creates all the problems, the health problems that we experience. Well, I've seen pictures of you on your website and you have an incredible body. Um, So let's start by talking about what you personally do um, as far as your eating goes. So what is like a typical day look like for you? What do you, when do you start eating? When do you stop eating? And what are you eating? What are you, what's a typical day look like? So I start Okay, I wake up around five and then I, I have a whole morning routine that I go through in terms of exercise and meditation and journaling. And then after I've done all that, then I have a bulletproof coffee and that is around 7.30, And then I don't eat anything until about 9.30. And then at 9.30, I make a green smoothie and then I don't eat anything until lunch. And right now, being summer, I'm having a really big salad with lots of veggies and sprouts and sauerkraut and some protein. So whether that's chicken or some, I do eat animal protein. So I have some protein and then just tons of vegetables. And then I don't eat anything. And we have an, and that's one of the things in Ayurveda is it's all about having, eating the majority of the food during daylight hours and having dinner be earlier and lighter and lunch have being the main meal. Cause that really is when our digestive fire is the strongest. So I have, we eat dinner around five 30 and that's usually again, just lots of vegetables and some sort of protein. And so then I'm, I'm pretty much fasting from five 30 until nine 30, except for the bulletproof, which keeps me in the insulin fast. Gotcha. So let's talk about bulletproof coffee because you know, the people that, and and this is a very controversial topic, and I will tell you my opinion about Bulletproof Coffee, and then you can tell me yours. Okay. So, well, why don't you tell me yours, then I'll tell you mine. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm kind of obsessed with just natural biohacking and and, anything that we can do to kind of get an edge on being as healthy as possible. So, um, you know, I read, I've read all of Dave Asprey's books and I, I love that he brings in the science. So he's the inventor for those that aren't aware of, of Bulletproof Coffee. And I, I, I want to fast and I know that I need something to be able to extend my fast. Uh, 
And I, I love the health benefits of the, the MCT oil, the brain benefits, but also because just having black coffee, because I know that there are, you know, the, the controversy of like adding anything with calories during fasting period, you're not getting the full autophagy. And, you know, it's not like a true, true, true fast. However, the, the pure acid in your stomach with nothing in can also create its own problems. So that putting the fat in there helps the, it's not as hard on your gut, like having coffee on like a, on nothing. So that's kind of the reason why I, I add the fat to the coffee. It's, you know, for, for the benefits, but also for the, you know, it being just easier on, on the, the gut and obviously being able to extend the fast longer, like get a few more hours there without food and the fat doesn't increase the insulin, which is allows these to stay in fat burning. Yeah. Well, my opinion of it is that basically, you know, when you're taking in calories, obviously bulletproof coffee can, especially bulletproof coffee can have anywhere from 200 to 400 calories, right? And a massive amount of fat. And so when you're thinking about it, your body can either use fat for fuel um, from your own body, or it's going to use either the glycogen in your, that you already have or the fat that you have. And so for me personally, when I did the Bulletproof Coffee, I either gained weight or didn't lose weight. I've actually done it twice. I kind of just wanted to experiment to see how I would do. And I've done it Mm -hmm. twice. And once when I did it for, you know, I implemented it in for a week or two and I actually gained weight. And then I did it another time and I just, my weight loss stalled. And and this is what I tell people, Mm -hmm. you're now incorporating an extra 200 to, and it's very right. easy to do. I've seen people do bulletproof coffee and they've got 600 calories and, you know, 60 calories of fat, right? <laughs> so right. it's easy yeah. to see why you could either gain weight or stall when you're doing it. Yeah. And so, you know, the only time that I'll sometimes have a bulletproof coffee at this point is that, and, and like I said, if you want to if people don't know what that is, it's basically when you're having coffee with fat in it, right? It's also called a keto coffee. Um, but it's it's basically where people either add butter, MCT oil, Dave Asprey, who created it and putting, you know, Dave's proprietary blend. Um, people do cacao butter, you know, there's all kinds of versions of bulletproof coffee. But the amount of calories and fat that you're adding in is just an an exorbitant amount. And obviously, if you're fasting, Mm -hmm. you know, ideally, you want to have just water, right? That's like the ideal or black coffee or black black tea is going to be your ideal. So for me, the people that I've seen do well on the bulletproof coffee are people who are, and they still are able to stay thin, are people who are doing massive amounts of working out. So like for you, you are a yoga instructor, right? So you are burning a ton of fat. You're burning a ton of fuel. You're still able to eat in an eight hour window, right? So you're doing an eight hour window. 
Um, but having that bulletproof coffee, because you're doing so much strenuous working out, it allows you to be able to do it. And so for me personally, with all the people I've seen, I've seen, you know, when people want to do intermittent fasting, what's the number one goal? There's lots of goals, right? There's health reasons, there's autophagy, there's all kinds of different things of why people doing it, right? Because the autophagy is the cleanup and repair process that happens in your body. But what I always say is if your body, if your body first is going to go to your gut and it's going to say, up, oh, we've got all this fat right here, it's going to first use that before it's getting the fat off your hips. So that's just something to always keep in mind. And I think the reason why you're able to stay so thin and have an amazing body is because you're doing so much working out. So I just want to kind of say that out there because what will happen is somebody will be listening to this podcast and they'll be doing really good. And then maybe they have a stall because they're adding in this bulletproof coffee, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I It's true. Like your body's going to either... If you give it fat, it's not going to have to, it won't need to source its own fat. So no, absolutely. And, and I, and it, and partly it is, and I am not doing it for the weight loss, but I, I, for sure, like, it makes sense. Like you're the whole keto movement of just eating so much fat. Like you still have to like, look at how much you're taking in. Cause that, and, and, you know, in, and when, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and it helps, you know, it's satisfying, it's creamy, it's, you know, you're tastes like, good. Oh, it yeah. Tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> and so it it kind of relieves that hangry feeling that you yeah. get with fasting where you're just like, err. Right. So it does help with that. And it is, you know, full of good high quality fats mm-hmm. to keep you in the fat burning state of ketosis, which is right. what you want. But again, if you're looking at it for weight loss. Yeah. It's it's great for keeping your blood sugar level. Right. So I love that. But as far as for weight loss, I've really seen it either gain weight or or help or make people stall in their weight loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and I think so for keep- me, I just have to like commit to um going through that process of like slowly increasing that window with nothing. Cause now that my body's used to it. No, I have, I do get really hungry at that time. And then I'm able to go like that two more hours, but no, absolutely. I I agree with you. And it is something that I thought of, like, you know, I would probably get more benefits from my fasting if I pushed the coffee later, you know, had it, you know, had that be at 930 versus 730. So I would love for you to um, just try it for like, maybe let's say, you know, I always tell people this, like, you know, obviously you're very thin, but anyone who's very thin, they still have moments where they gain three pounds. They might gain five pounds. We all go through that where, you know, you have a moment when you do that. And I'd love to see, and you'll have to email me and tell me the results. If you just cut that coffee out, still continue to do your eight hour window. Mm -hmm. Do you shed that three pounds or five pounds or whatever, if you happen to gain it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, how do you get, do you, what's your approach with uh, people wanting to extend it, you know, a couple more hours, but feeling really hungry and. Yeah. So for me, I, I would rather see somebody. So for me, if I really wanted to do that, um, I would say either doing a tiny bit of bone broth 
would mm-hmm. be one version or doing even a little bit of coffee, just doing coffee black because caffeine in itself, right? That's going to be your best choice because caffeine in itself is going to help you extend it mm-hmm. or doing caffeine with like heavy whipping cream, mm. which again, like this much heavy whipping cream, again, you're getting it with maybe, I don't know, you could, you could have a cup of coffee with 60 calories or, or even you could do 30 calories of creamer versus making it. I just, what I see happening with this uh, bulletproof coffee is people just go so overboard and they're having 300 to 500 calories of fat. It's just so much. So my, my choice is I would go ahead and just go as long as you can have that black coffee and then, you know, try to go for a walk or do something to get your mind off of it. So you can get to, to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. Another really good hack is just, um, a teaspoon of like pickle juice, because a lot of times you just need sodium and that's a good hack to kind of get you, especially I, I only use, I usually use pickle juice and, and bone broth only when I'm going for longer than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Anytime I go longer than a 24 hour fast, but usually, I mean, I, I eat in a six hour window every day, or I, some days I just do one meal a day. It just depends on how big my meal is for that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll okay. Try. So let's go back to the, we got off track with the <laughs> the bulletproof, but that's such a good one because people ask it all the time, but let's go back to the um, Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. So I want to really dig in because I think that gut health is so important. So what are some other principles that you're pulling in from the Ayurveda? Yeah. So the the first being like the timing of meals, which is making lunch the main meal because most uh, most people dinner is the main meal and that's it's just part of our our culture but it didn't used to be like pre-industrial revolution our main meal was at lunch when you know the men didn't have to go to the you know the, the the factories or go to the work and we would come inside during the middle of the day we would sit and have like a nice big lunch then there would be a little bit of a rest after and then dinner was actually called supper, which was often just like a little something, a little soup or a little stew just to tie you over. So I often say, you know, the, if you could just switch one thing, which is having lunch be the main meal versus dinner, I've seen a lot of people lose weight with just that switch. So, you know, breakfast being smaller, if you're having breakfast, lunch being bigger, and then dinner being smaller, because the the digestive fire actually mimics the sun. So when the sun is highest, the, the you know, the, the internal sun, that internal fire is the strongest. So um, there's also been really amazing studies with mice showing, uh, you know, when the times of day that they're eating really affects how they're processing the food and whether they're gaining weight and, you know, all these other health markers, you know, if they're eating at night versus eating during the day. So that's the first thing is, you know, just when you're eating and how much when, and then obviously taking out any kind of snacking. So we don't need the snacks. Snacks are often just you know packaged processed foods, unless you're snacking on like nuts or things, but that's still, it's just calories you don't need. So saving all your calories for your meals so that you get that break. Then the other ones are, you know, what you're eating, obviously. So it's pretty common sense eating whole foods, diet, 
but really looking at eating more seasonally. So seeing what's available. I think the best way to do that easily is just to shop from the farmer's market because you always know that what you're getting there is going to be seasonal. It's going to be local, which means that the food is going to be, you know, have a higher vitamin content because it's not going to be shipped, shipped when it's unripe. So eating seasonally, eating locally as much as possible, but also eating like what makes sense in terms of your ancestry. I think we often, we try to conform based on like what we've read is like the, the latest best diet, but everyone's different. And in Ayurveda, there's this deep understanding that there's no one size fits all and different food affects different people in different ways. So we can't just follow some guidebook or some person, some experts recommendations because we might not, it might not work for our body. So I take people through a process of an elimination diet and then reintroducing foods to really see how they affect your body and how well you digest it. Cause it all depends on how well you digest it. And, you know, some people can eat beans, some people can't eat beans. And that being said, when you really do these other things to optimize your gut health, you're able to eat more foods. It's like the unhealthier your gut is, the more sensitive you are and the more, you know, just gut issues you have. But when you clear all that up, then you can even try to reintroduce some of those foods back in and see how they affect you. So it's finding your what diet. About eating yeah. foods. One of the things I heard is that like you should eat, you know, kind of in the winter time eating warm foods and cooked mm. foods yeah. and in the summertime eating more like raw foods. Is that true or talk yeah, about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the one of the principles of Ayurveda is that there's these energetics of food. And some foods are cooling, some foods are warming. And what is happening inside of our body is a reflection of what's happening in the environment. So that's why it's like, we really want to pay attention to the cycles of nature and the rhythms of nature and the seasons and the weather, because it's, that's what's happening actually inside of our gut. So in the winter time, when it's cold outside, we want to warm up. We want to bring in the energetics of warming food. And that helps to counter that, that coldness that's in the environment. So eating more spiced foods, because that's one way that we can kind of warm up our foods, warming, the, you know, having the temperature be warm. And the foods in the wintertime are more like root vegetables. It's things that, you know, we, it, it lends itself to having more cooked, more spiced, more kind of grounded foods, because the energetics of the winter is like cold and light. So when we go into summer, it's hot outside. So we want to eat more cooling foods and cooler temperature foods. So having more raw stuff and salads and things like that. So that's, you know, that's kind of big picture why, why we do that. Because we're trying to always create harmony and balance. And what, the way we do that is through the balance of opposites. So if it's cold outside, we want to create internal heat. If it's hot outside, we want to cool things down inside. Talk a little bit about drinking with your meals. It's funny. I had a guy who is from originally from Canada, and I think he might be French from his origin. And 
they, he said, it was funny because he was over and I said, what can I get you to drink? And he said, well, you shouldn't be drinking with your meals. He's like, Americans are the only ones who drink with their meals. He's like, and he looked at everyone around the table and he's like, none of you guys should be drinking anything, not even sipping because it'll interfere with your digestion. You should be drinking fluids two hours before meals, two hours after meals. But while you're eating, you shouldn't be drinking. So talk about that. Is that anything with an Ayurveda? Um, and Ayurveda, there, I mean, there is this idea that there's like gastric juices that you don't want to dilute too much. So yes, you can absolutely sip water for sure. Like that's okay. That's allowed, but you don't want to drink a lot of water because that does, that will dilute it. So you won't be able to digest your food as effectively, but actually you know, it's, it's really good to drink a cup of water, like 15 minutes, 15 minutes before, because that it's kind of like it lubricates the digestive tract and also just kind of gets your body prepared to digest food. And then while you're eating small sips of water is absolutely fine. And then actually an hour after, and you might even notice that this, that after about an hour, you're in a certain phase of digestion and you actually will feel thirsty and you do want to drink another cup of water then. So I wouldn't say, you know, I, I don't, I don't agree with that advice of like nothing and then not two hours before or after. I think that sips are, are okay and, and actually good. It's a good thing. <laughs> hey guys, one of the things that will take your weight loss to the next level is coaching. You can either work one-on-one with me or one of our certified private coaches. If you'd like, you can schedule your free call. It's a 10-minute strategy call just to see if coaching is going to really take you to the next level. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to this recent review a happy coaching client sent in. Thanks so much for your help and guidance. I never could have done it without you. The other thing is listening to the audiobook. Listening to the audiobook and getting the video course that I've done, people are seeing dramatic results. If you just listen to the audiobook 30 minutes a day, over and over and over again, and get the video course, go to ChantelRayway.com and check out the video course. You won't be sorry you did. Yeah, I think for me, I've gotten to the point where I just, I really try like 30 minutes before I eat and while I'm eating to drink nothing. I might take like a sip or two, like if I'm mm-hmm. really, um, you know, thirsty. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, everyone forgets that digestion starts in your mouth as soon as you start yeah. to chew your, chew your food. Mm-hmm. Chewing signals your salivary glands to start producing saliva. Mm-hmm. which that saliva contains enzymes to help you break yeah. down the food. Totally. And so, but especially what I've seen is um, I actually have a digestive enzyme that I created myself. Um, it's on my website at chantelrayway.com, but it has um, betaine pepsin in it, but it also has enzymes. And I think that there's certain people, me including, that I just from overeating over in the past years. Um, when I was younger, I was in my twenties, I was bulimic. And so for about three or four years, I like threw up. So my stomach acid is not what it needs to be. 
Mm-hmm. And so I have to take like that, di- that digest aid for mm-hmm. me is really important to take when after my, or right when I eat my meals. And it's really important that I don't drink much. Like I might take like you know, one or two little sips, but because I can get crazy with it, it's just better for me not to have any mm-hmm. water there at all yeah. and just really fuel up with water outside of my mealtime. Yeah. I'm the same. Like I don't get thirsty when I'm eating. Like I don't feel the the need to drink water. And I I do focus just like you, like drinking the water between the meals. And that just helps me kind of space those meals and not have this need to want to snack in between meals. So, yeah. Now, one of the questions that we're getting a ton of is, about sugar. And I'm hearing people even more, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but they're feeling like they're just craving so much sugar. Yeah. Do you have like, how do you have sugar at all? Or do you just have completely sugar? Yeah, no, I'm give us some tips to control that. Yeah. So no, I'm completely sugar free because I used to have a problem. Well, I don't know how big of a problem to me. For me, it was a problem. I, I had a hard time with moderation. It's like once I had a little bit, I just wanted more and more. And that is because sugar creates this huge dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. Like any concentrated substance, whether that's sugar or flour or alcohol or processed foods, it creates an exaggerated dopamine hit, which has this feeling of, you know, it feels good. It feels it's, it's pleasurable and it's this, you know, it's the reward hormone. Now, that's one of the reasons why it's so addictive and why it can be such a problem because your brain knows this. It's like, oh, this feels really good. Make sure to do that more and eat more of that. So our brain like sees sugar and it's like, oh, that's going to feel really good. You want that. Now, the challenge, especially if you're going through a stressful time is cortisol increases sugar cravings. So there's that. And then we get stuck into the addictive cycle because it is so addictive and we, our brain knows that it's going to feel really good if we have it, but it just perpetuates the whole problem. And then our blood sugar goes out of whack and we are hungrier more of the time. And then it makes fasting really hard. And it, it's just this vicious cycle that we get stuck mm-hmm. in. So I really think like we kind of need to go cold turkey because we want to reset everything. So I think committing to, and I, I lead a sugar detox because it's hard for people to do because there's, we have so many attachments. It's everywhere. It's such a part of our culture. It's, you know, it's hard to go anywhere, get any kind of food outside of home that doesn't have some sort of sugar in it. So it means that people need to be really prepared. You need to you know, cook your own meals You need, or, you know, be able to order really cleanly at certain restaurants if possible. So it's, it's really making that commitment. You need to have, it always starts with having a compelling enough reason for wanting to do it because of the psychological and the physiological addiction of sugar to be able to, to truly commit to resetting everything. You've got to have a big enough why for doing it. So I think starting there, And then making sure that you are having enough protein and fat will help with feeling satiated so that you can, you know, eat those whole meals that are low in sugar and then feel satisfied. 
So that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. So what about, so do you have smoothies? Like for me, one of the things I do is if, if you guys want, I have a great free smoothie book that has about 20 free smoothies that, that I have. If you go to ChantalRayway.com and click on free smoothie book, but it's about 20 free smoothies. And for me, when I'm really craving sugar, uh, today I was, and so I stopped and got we have a place called North End Juice Bar that I love. And I got, a, it's kale, mango, and almond milk. And then I added protein and spirulina to it. So that was my smoothie. So I had the protein to kind of calm myself, you know, with all that, the mango that was in there. And then when I have that, it kind of, it fulfills my my sugar craving. If I'm really like, oh my gosh, I've got to have... Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like, once you really reduce sugar, you reset your taste buds because what sugar does is it kind of dulls them. So we need foods that are like more concentrated flavor to even like when, when you've been eating a lot of sugar, regular food doesn't taste as good, but when you take sugar out and this is what my students tell me, it's like things like broccoli and cauliflower just taste so sweet and good which, you know, an average person eating a lot of sugar would be like, no, not really at all. But you, you become more sensitive to just natural whole flavors and whole flavors and, and real food just tastes way better. So we get that natural dopamine hit, which, you know, all food creates a dopamine increase, but it's not so exaggerated that we get stuck in this cycle of, you know, overeating and like just being kind of obsessed with wanting food. Like we just think about it. We have this over desire that keeps us in the cycle, which makes it really hard because we're having to use willpower, which I always say, willpower doesn't work. We don't want to have to rely on willpower. We want to be able to just balance out our bodies. So we're naturally just craving things that are good for us instead of craving unhealthy foods and sugar and processed foods and junk food and all that stuff. So but let's yeah, say it's your birthday. Yeah. Let's say it's your birthday. Are you having any, are you, do you have it where you say like once a week, I have something once a month, or are you just saying? No, I mean, I, for me, and this works. Yeah. So it works for me this way because it's about an identity. It's about like, I'm someone that doesn't eat sugar. So, and for me, it's, you know, when, and this is also something that I teach is like deconditioning our own desire because when we have a desire for something and then we say that we don't, we can't have it it creates the feeling of deprivation and nobody wants to feel deprived because it's like you want something, but you know, you shouldn't have, or you, you tell yourself you shouldn't have it. And then that, again, that comes back to trying to use willpower not to have it or try to control yourself. But if you decondition desire by not having that thing, and then you don't want it anymore, eventually you get to this place where you don't want it. It's like when I was in my twenties and, you know, as a teenager, I smoked cigarettes and I haven't in like 20 years. And the thought of having a cigarette right now is repulsive. Like you couldn't pay me to have a cigarette right now. But back then it's like, I had a lot of desire for cigarettes. So I had the desire, which created that urge and that craving. And then that led to me smoking. So once I didn't have that desire anymore, it wasn't hard not to have a cigarette. And I, I never thought about it. I never was like, should I allow myself one cigarette this week or on my birthday or any of that? Because it's like, we become totally indifferent to the food. 
And I think that's the best way to just eat healthy consistently all the time because you want what you can eat. And it's not like you're wanting things that you can't, quote unquote, can't eat. And then you feel this sense of deprivation and feel this sense of like, punishment and all these things where you know people that have that kind of dieting mentality where they're either off or on it's like we're still it's taking up way too much brain space and for me one of the reasons was like I don't want to think about it anymore I just want it to be a non-issue I want to focus on other things and if my brain is like ooh, I really want like a piece of chocolate or when when can I have my piece of chocolate or when am I going to allow that for myself it's like I just want it to be done with all of that I wanted it to be a non-issue I wanted to be indifferent to it. I didn't want to have the desire so that I didn't ever have to feel like I, I couldn't have it or I shouldn't have it and all that stuff that we put on ourselves. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you I'm offering a free weight loss virtual Bible study. Now is the perfect time to focus on understanding true hunger and fullness and learn what the Bible has to say about it. All you have to do is go to ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study. After you sign up, you'll receive a six week Bible study video that you can watch on your own, or you can get a small group of people and do it together. That's ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study for your free six week Bible study course. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do think that the you know, this, the same analogy when I was in my early twenties, I, I smoked as well for, for several years and then same thing. I stopped smoking and I've never picked up another one again, but it is a matter of just saying, I'm, I'm just not going there. And I do think they, they do talk about how sugar is, it is as it it can be as addicting as cocaine because it's just so addicting. So you can get out of control with it. And even the Bible says, you know, eating too much honey, which is sugar, mm-hmm. can make you sick. And so yeah. you just have to be really mindful. And and there's actually several Bible verses about that mm. over and over saying, you know. Yeah. There's nothing good about, about sugar. There's zero benefit to eating sugar. Like we don't need it. <laughs> it, it so, you know, for me, it's really, and as a health coach, I really want to be that example of, health and I want to walk my talk fully. And whenever I was even having just a little bit, it just felt like out of integrity with how I wanted to eat and how I wanted to live and like the the example that I wanted to set. So, but it's like having that reason that's big enough and then committing to the process of deconditioning your desire, which in the beginning you have the desire, but you're not giving into those urges. So you're just allowing the urges, you're you know, acknowledging them and slowly not perpetuating the pattern by giving in every single time you want it. Well, this has been amazing. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. So you can find me at my name, Donna spelled Dana Scogland.com and same on Facebook, Instagram. I'm on YouTube, all those places. Awesome. Well, you guys stay tuned. We have another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.